Wow, Father, truly you are amazing, and I pray that, God, that you would grace this time with your presence. God, show yourself even now, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. You can please be seated. I ask you, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Philippians, the third chapter. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses that we looked at last week as we've been, been studying through the, the idea of the secrets of abundant joy. Christ said that he's come that we might have life, that we have, might have it more abundantly. Sadly to say that many of us walk through this life um, and never really enjoy the abundance that Christ has for us. Paul gives us many, many thoughts and ideas in this, in this small letter that he wrote to the, the, the church of uh, Philippi. And I want us to look at one of those tonight. Last week we studied, and I had someone mention to me, boy, how it, it ministered to them that because of what Christ has done for us, we don't have to be bound in, in other people's expectations. There's always someone telling you how you need to live. Well, folks, um, Christ came to die for our sins. He came to do for me what I can't do for myself. And because of his grace, I'm saved through the cross and the, and the res, uh, of, of Jesus Christ. And so my focus should be on Christ and Christ alone, not about what other people think. But also it frees me from even um, the bondage of my own flesh. And so many times I... I fret and I feel guilt in, because I want more, more, more. It's all about me. But again, salvation is not about me. It's about the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what I pray, that we can begin to learn to live in that freedom that Jesus is all about you. It's not about the things that we've done. It's not about the things that we have. It's not about the family that we come from. It's not about the church that we attend. But, folks, it's about Christ and Christ crucified. And that's where our joy needs to be found, and, um, and we need to get excited about Him. Today we're going to be looking at the, the idea of the priceless treasure of knowing Christ. And, and we're going to be looking at Philippians, the third chapter, verses 7 through 11. If you have found that, um, I encourage you to, to get to that. Let's all stand together as we read the Word of God together. The Apostle Paul had been, he had been speaking and, and even about that idea that we, that we don't have to be bound up what other people expect of us and, and even what we suspect about ourselves because he said, he had earlier said that if, if anyone should be able to brag, it should be me. Because if, if, if you wanted to look at man's standards, boy, he, 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 was, he was saying, you know what, I've been there and I've done that. And that's where we're going to pick up today, but we're going to move on to see what he has to say about that. You know, if, if you're here today and you think that you're something, just saddle, get, get, on, the, get on the saddle and let, let's, let's ride that for a little bit. Listen to what Paul writes, and, and he's in Philippians, the third chapter, verse, starting again in verse 7. He says, but what things were gained for me, those things that I, I counted myself to, th thought, to think that I'm somebody, but those things were, that were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things lost, but for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung or, or manure or refuge, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Let's pray. Now, Father, I just pray that, God, that you'd just minister to us, O Lord, through your word. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you, we invite you into this place. And God, it was you that inspired men of old to, to pen these words. And it's the same one, the same Holy Spirit, that God, that, that, that teaches today, that opens men's heart, that God, that you give us understandings within our minds. And that's what I pray today. I pray today that, God, that we might see and understand what the really, the, the, this just the treasure that you have for us. And God, how it's more valuable than anything this world has to offer. God bless this time together in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. One of my heroes of the faith is a guy by the name of Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary in Ecuador. He and his wife, Elizabeth, many of you may have heard her on, on Christian radio. You have, uh, may have written her, read her book on, on the Gates of Splendor. If you've not, you need to. But Jim and, and, and four other men were, were martyred on a riverbed in Ecuador trying to take the gospel to a people whom they loved and whom they were just wanting to tell about Jesus. But he gave his life for the cause of the gospel. But Jim Elliott wrote in one of his journals some words that, that are very penetrating. And I want us to stop and I want us to break that down. I want us to look and think about that in just a moment. As a matter of fact, these words on the bottom of your bulletin at the outline, I encourage you to take that and look at it. You may want to pin these in, in, in the corner of your Bible. But Jim Elliott had written these words, He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me just read that again to you, because I want you to just stop, and I want us to, 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 to think on that. You know, um, Jethro would say, Let, let's ponder on that a little bit. And he says, He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What is this man speaking about? What is he talking about giving that which he cannot keep and, and losing that which he, or, 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 or gaining that which he cannot lose? To really begin to explore the thoughts in the mind of, of, of Jim Elliot, we need to go back to his hero who is nothing more than Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ who wrote these words, as a matter of fact, Elliot was probably thinking of these words, probably one night while he was, he was writing in his devotion, where Jesus Christ said these words in Matthew 16, 26. For what profit is it for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, Jesus Christ saying, you know, there's, we all have to make a decision. There's plenty of things within this world that we can gather up to ourselves, but one day they'll mean nothing. But there's only one thing that will last forever, and that's our soul. And I think that, that Jim Elliott was probably talking about that. You know, he is no fool to give that which he cannot keep. Let's talk about it. what are some of the things that we cannot keep. 
Money? We can't. Hey, it's not going with us, it is. They're not even going to bury you with shoes on, probably, Brother Willard. And probably when they put you there right before they close that casket, you're going to take that watch off your hand, and, and Sister Margaret's going to put it right there. I'll, I'll give that to one of my grandchildren. Hey, I don't, I don't, you can't take it with you. You know, I've heard, you know, you've never seen a hearse with a, with a, with a trailer hitch. What's well, something else that, 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 that you can't keep forever? Can't keep your money? Folks, you're not going to keep your health forever. I mean, you can beat the path down to any time fitness all you want to, as long as you want to. Only thing that shows me is just how broken down I am. It's all going to pass away. Folks, anything that you can see, taste, smell, is all going to pass away one day. The only thing that you cannot lose is your salvation and those treasures that's been laid up in heaven. Wow. I think Paul was speaking of the very same thing that, that Jim Elliot was referring to and what Jesus Christ had spoken about when he was writing this passage of Scripture to the Philippians, that, that he was trying to tell them, you need to get your mind in perspective. Saying there, there's nothing else, there's nothing else more valuable than the knowledge of Jesus Christ, nothing else even comes close. And I want you to grab this and, and to take what Paul was speaking today, but apply it to yourselves. As, as, as we take and we look and we, we read these words together, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that, that really will, will, will not last forever? And what are you missing out on that will? You see, Paul said as he, he said but what things that were gained for me he had just talked about those things he had just said those he says in verse 4 he says though i may have confidence in the flesh if any man thinketh that he that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh all the more he says if anyone thinks that he's somebody i'm even the most biggest somebody out there he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching a law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, uh, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. For every Jew that, that, that lived, when they looked at the Apostle Paul, they thought that's the Jew's Jew. I mean, he's the man. If anybody's going to get to heaven, it has to be the Apostle Paul. He has the pedigree. He has the, the work ethic. He has the zeal. He has it all. But Paul says, of all these that, that I used to think were gained for me, I now count them all loss. He says, they're not important to me at all. Paul says, because I've gained something so much more. Because he counted these things lost, because he, 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 all the things that the world says makes you somebody, and as Paul chose to give them away, he gained so much more. And let's look at what he's, he gained. First of all, he gained a personal relationship with Christ. Again, in, in verse 7, he says those words, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He's using accounting terms, you know. He says the things that, that, that were in my bank account, 
that seems so important to me. He says, I got rid of those things. He says, if you want to look at bank accounts, I made myself bankrupt. But then he says, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, do count them but dung or, or manure, things that you throw away that I may win Christ. You know the thing about the Apostle Paul that the day before he met Jesus Christ, he knew about Jesus Christ. He knew a lot about Jesus Christ. He made it his, he made it his purpose to know about Jesus Christ, this carpenter from Galilee. As a matter of fact, though, in his mind, although he knew all these facts about Jesus Christ, he didn't know anything about him in a personal way. And you see, folks, for so many of us, we know things about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus Christ. This word, when he talks about the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that word knowledge is, means, means something that is intimate, something that you experience. It's the same knowledge that a man has for a woman. And that's where Paul was. Paul knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus until he met him in that personal in a redemptive way. And when he says the excellency of the knowledge, he's saying that which is, which is priceless. That is something that cannot be valued. It's, it's valued so much more than anything else. You see, when Paul come into the real knowledge of Jesus Christ, nothing else was really important to him anymore. My Hebrew heritage was not so important anymore. When Paul come to Jesus Christ, all that education that he had was not so important anymore. When, when Paul come to know Jesus Christ in a personal way, all those leadership positions that he had was really not so important anymore. When, when Paul come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord, all these hard works, all these things that he'd done for the church was not so important anymore. As a matter of fact, they're so little important, I've thrown them all away. I don't, even, I don't even want that to be attached to me anymore. All I want to know is Jesus. You see, before Paul met Jesus Christ, he had religion, but he didn't have a relationship. He had intensity and in a service of God, but he didn't have any intimacy. He didn't know God. He had head knowledge, but he did not have heart knowledge. And folks, it's very important for us to stop and examine ourselves. What do you think about Jesus Christ? Do you know about Jesus Christ or do you know Jesus Christ? Folks, that will absolutely determine your eternity. You know, one day that Jesus Christ says, there's many going to come to me in one day and they're going to call me Lord, Lord, they know about me. And they said, you know, Lord, we've done a lot of great things for you. Lord, we, we've cast out demons in your name, and we've done miracles in your name. But you know what Jesus Christ is going to say away from me? Because I never knew you. And we need to stop, and we need to examine that. Well, as I think about what, what, what this is speaking about, and we're speaking about joy, I think most of us would agree that there's no greater value in life than relationship. God created us for relationship. Because 
if you're in good relationship with your wife, if you're in good relationship with friends, if you're in good relationship with, with, with family, the world can be falling down around you, but, but you can still have joy. But folks, you can, ha- you can own everything in the whole world and not have relationship. That you not have something, someone to share that with, then your life's miserable. And folks, I see a lot of people that drive big cars and live in fancy houses who are miserable because their relationships are so messed up. How many parents have said, boy, I'd give away everything I had if I could just have a relationship with my children again? Or marriages that are broken apart thinking about, you know, all these things that I thought were so important are not really important. I'd give them all away if I could just be back in relationship with my husband or my wife again. But when you begin to place that relationship with the creator of the universe, and not only the creator, but also your redeemer, how valuable is that? That you can be in personal relationship with the one who created you for the one who loved you so much, he redeemed you. And that's what the apostle Paul was saying. He said, you know what? He says, I have found something so much more valuable than anything this world has to offer, and his name is Jesus Christ. And folks, that's what I want. If, if, if I could just, just help you to understand today. Don't sell yourself short. Don't, don't play with the world's goods and lose the most priceless thing, and his name is Jesus. Jesus wants to have relationship with you. Jesus wants to laugh with you. He wants to cry with you. He wants to be with you in the good times and, and encourage you in the hard times. And Paul says there's nothing in the world better than the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I've counted everything else that used to be important to me. Nothing but garbage for Jesus Christ. Wow, does that put some things in perspective of what the world calls important. Paul continues on and he says there's, 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 there's other things I gained. By, by, by giving up what, that which I could lose. And he says this in verse 9 when he, when he says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul had lived his whole life working himself to heaven. I mean, boy, he had... He, he, he knew the right words to say. He, he knew the right books to study. He, he knew the right services to go to. He, he, he knew the right things you're supposed to do for God. But folks, he missed it. Because he would later write in Titus, it's not by works of righteousness which I've done. It's not about being a part of a member of Rayford Road Church or a, a, a member of First Baptist or a, a member of um, a First Assembly. It's not about that. Folks, hell is going to be filled up with church members. It's not about that. It's not about teaching a Sunday school class. It's not about going through a Bible study every week. Hell is going to be filled up with people that know the Bible. 
It's not about helping little old ladies across the street. Hell's going to be filled up with people who do what they call good works. And it's not that any of these things are wrong, but folks, they can't get you to heaven. It's not by works of righteousness that we've done. It's only by knowing Christ. And that's what Paul recognized. He says, I finally realize this. It's not about the things that I do. It's, it's not about trying to earn salvation by my own righteousness. But now I can have the righteousness of, of God through faith. I simply have to believe on him. That it's not me, but what Christ has done for me. Folks, there's so much freedom in that. This, again, it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. But I want us to look on because the main idea I want us to grab hold of this morning is found in verse 10. It comes back to this idea of relationship where, where Paul says that I might know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And, and you could translate it this way because um, the word know is implied in, in, in the second two um, positions there when he says that I might know him and that I might know the power of the resurrection and that I might know the fellowship of his suffering. What is he speaking about? You see, Paul says the reason I gave everything away, that the reason that, that what the world said was important to me is not important to me anymore is that I can gain a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. And let's talk about that. The first thing he says, that I might know him. And, and he, he, we've already talked about that, where, where he might have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Where, where I may gain Jesus Christ because I, I have come to know him in an intimate way. See, what we have to understand, that that is just the first ne level of the knowledge of Christ. And really, that's probably where most Christians live with, within their relationship with Jesus Christ. They know him. They've had an experience with him. But they stop right there. Folks, I'm telling you, don't rob yourself by, 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 by walking in the shallow waters of your faith. There's a lot deeper waters that are so much more precious out there. Paul says that I might know him, that I might have that personal relationship with him. That is, that is level one of our knowledge of Christ. Then he goes to level two. He says, also that I might know the power of his resurrection. That I might know the power of his resurrection. This is a person who has is, who is walked in, in, in a deeper relationship with Christ and says, God, there's so much more. That Christ if you have the power to step out of that grave, then you have the power to set, solve any problem in my life. It's where your faith has increased to the point that you truly have locked into the power of the resurrection. Folks, the resurrection shows the power of God. That death cannot hold him. And if death cannot hold God, then what can hold him? Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. There's nothing too hard for God. And so therefore, when I begin to step out on my faith, trusting God, God, I want to see some miracles. I want to believe enough, God, to, to trust you to do some things that cannot be done apart from my faith in you. 
Folks, a lot of people are afraid to go there. A lot of people are, are scared to go there because you're afraid you might be disappointed. Folks, you don't have to be afraid of God disappointing you. You can trust God that, that if I know Him personally, like I know my children personally. Folks, let me tell you real quick. There ain't nothing I wouldn't do for my child if I knew that was best for my child. Daddy would sacrifice in a moment for his children if he knew that was best. Now, if they're asking for something that's not good for them, they're not going to get a nothing other than a good lecture. But if I know that's good for my children, <laughs> Daddy would clean out the account for my children. If ye be an evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much shall your Father in heaven give good gifts unto you? You love him, believe him. Isn't that good stuff? And not only that, there's only limits of what I can do for my children, though. I've only got so much resources in my account. I only have so much influence. I mean, I'll do what I can, but I have limits. Folks, God has no limits for his children. And folks, we need to start, we don't need to live in defeat anymore. We, we serve a father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We own a father that, 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 that called out to the grave and the grave broke forth loose. We have a father that all he had to do was speak and the world came into existence. And we have a father who loves me more than I love my own children because he loves me with a perfect love. And Paul says, you know what? <laughs> when, I, when I realize I, I, I have a father and, and I can begin to understand the power of the resurrection, why am I so caught up with these things of the world? He says, they pale in significance. They're nothing according to the priceless treasure of knowing Christ and knowing the power of the resurrection. Folks, we as believers need to begin to live in the power of the resurrection. And that's what Paul is saying. All of these things that seem so important to me, once I understood Christ and I began to understand the power of the resurrection, they mean nothing to me anymore. Why do I get so caught up with things in the world that's one day is going to pass away when I can have something that one day is going to be eternal. See, that's good. But he didn't stop there. Now he takes us to another level that there's very few Christians that even want to go there because of the implications. You see, the first level of knowing Christ is just knowing him personally. The second level of knowing Christ is knowing the power of his resurrection, that we can begin to live in the power of his resurrection. But the third level that he's speaking about, that I might know the fellowship of his suffering. Now, for some reason, we want to start hitting the brakes. We, we begin to say, I don't know if I've signed up for this. 
Now, you know, I like it when, all, when, when, when boy, things are going my way and, and, and boy, things are happy in my life and, and um, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm receiving the benefits that, that make me laugh. But about, what about the benefits that make me cry? But he says, but I also might know the fellowship of his sufferings. The word fellowship is a word that it, 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 it means... It's, it's koinonia, it's, it's, it's where we, we come together that normally through hard times. You know, I've always heard there's, there's no greater fellowship than in a foxhole. That when soldiers are in a foxhole and they're fighting the same enemy, that, that they come to know each other in a very deep fashion because they're suffering together. And folks, it's until we fall into the fo- until we crawl into the foxhole with Christ and we begin to experience his suffering, that we'll never really understand what he did for you and me. Let me explain. For my mom and dad, I thank God for my mom and dad. You hear me speaking about them all the time. But I can I can honestly tell you, I never really appreciated my mom and dad until I began to have children. Because as a child, I never really understood what mom and dad went through. For me until I begin to have children. And to, to know that the sacrifices they had to make for me. Knowing that there, there's times that, 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 that mama was trying to meet some of my requests when, when she was, 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 was keeping her away from something she really wanted. From daddy working two jobs and, and night and day just to raise five kids out there. You know, I, I never understood the tension he was under. And I can look back today, and, 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 and Daddy really never let it show him. But every now and then, he'd slam a, a screen door or something. But, but Daddy really never got... But, but there were some days I can look back on now that where, where Daddy kind of acted out of character. He was just dealing with some stress that I, I didn't know about as a child because he didn't come tell me all his problems. He worked very hard to keep me from knowing about his problems. Recently, as, as, as our mom is to the point now that we stay with her and we, 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 we're with her 24 hours and, and we, we, we sleep right there beside her to make sure that you know, she's okay. And, and we, with her age, it, she sleeps kind of loud sometimes and just from her aches and her moans. And I remember just laying there one night thinking of her and I was listening to her. And I remember this thought coming to me. This is just a few weeks ago. How many times did my mama get up in the middle of the night when I had an asthma attack and stay up all night long with me and then go to work the next day? Or how many times did I hear my mama when my little sister was sick during her, her school years who coughed all night long and my mom was up with my little sister all night long, night after night after night after night after night, and then going on and working a job and taking care of the rest of the children and never fussed? Or my dad just working hour after hour just to keep the family going. You see, I could never know that until I got put in that position myself. I I never knew those frustrations. I never knew those sleepless nights until I got there myself. And folks, when Paul's saying that I might know the fellowship of his sufferings, he says, Lord, I want to suffer because you suffered for me. And I want to understand what you've done for me. 
And, and, and Paul was saying, every time I stand up and I'm persecuted for righteousness' sake, it helps me understand a little bit more of what Jesus did for me. You see, folks, we'll never understand the cross until we've taken our own cross upon ourselves. We'll never know the shame until we felt the shame ourselves. We'll, we'll never know the, 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 the heartache of betrayal that Jesus Christ felt until we feel the heartache of betrayal. We'll never understand the, 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 the price of loneliness like Jesus Christ felt for us on that cross until we're lonely because we're standing up for Christ and everyone else left us. We'll never know the beauty of the cross until we experience what Jesus Christ experienced on our behalf in a great fashion. And Paul says, you know what? That's what I want. I want to know Christ, and I want to know Christ crucified. We all love the resurrection, but, but we have to realize Christ went to the cross before, before he arose from that grave. And, and Christ suffered deeply for you and me before he, before he died. And Paul says, I want to feel it because I want to know Christ in that type of fashion. Folks, it's not, a, it's not to be shameful to suffer for Christ. It helps us know him more deeply. And Paul says, I want to know everything about Jesus Christ I can. I want to know about what made him laugh, and I want to know about what made him cry. I want to, I want to feel the expansion of his heart of loving people. And that's what was Paul saying. He says, I want to go into a deeper relationship with Christ that I might know him in a personal way. There's nothing more valuable than that. I want to feel the nail-scarred hands. I want to look upon his brow where the, the, the crown was that I might know him. Folks, don't be afraid to go into a deeper relationship in the knowledge of Christ that you might know him. There, there's nothing so valuable. And then he just closed out if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And what he's just saying that it's because of all of this, I have a hope of the resurrection. Because Christ arose from the grave, I know I'll arise from the grave also. If death could not hold Jesus Christ, it cannot hold me because he was the first fruits. And no matter what this world may throw at me today, I know that one day I'm going to be in the presence of my Lord Jesus Christ. Just a couple of days ago, our friend Ruby went home to be with the Lord. I sent Janie a note and said, Janie, I, my heart breaks for you, her sister, but my heart rejoices for Ruby because Ruby is standing before her Jesus today. I've had enough time to speak with Ruby in the last few weeks, and folks, she was ready to go home. Yeah, and, 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 and so she knew, she knew and had that knowledge of the resurrection, and so can we. And so as we come, and Paul was saying these words, he says, you know, everything that I thought was important in this world, I got rid of so that I might gain Christ, that I might know Christ, that I might also stand on, his, on the righteousness of God by faith. It's not about me. That I can have a deeper knowledge of Christ and I can be assured of the resurrection. I don't want anything holding me back 
that I can make these claims. But I ask you today as we come, what's holding you back? What's holding you back to that type of relationship? When I think about this verse, another passage, another parable that Jesus Christ spoke was this in Matthew 13, 44 and following. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. It's when a man hath found it, he hideth it for joy and goeth and selleth all that he has and buys the field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking godly pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. That's what Paul did. Once Paul found Jesus Christ, he got rid of everything else because he didn't want anything keeping him from all of Jesus. Is anything keeping you from all of Jesus? And I'm going to close with, with one of the most profound statements that, on this matter that, that I think I've read. It was, it was written by the Christian author C.S. Lewis. And I want you to listen to these words. And I want you to apply them to you. He said these, C.S. Lewis says these, these words. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. See, we're, we're fooling around with the things of the world when, when he offering us infinite joy. And then he says, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday in the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Think of this picture. We have been so satisfied with making mud pies in the slum that we forget that God has something so much better. He has a holiday by the sea for us. I'm asking you, what type of mud pies are you making? What is so valuable to you that's keeping you from full relationship with Jesus Christ? That's keeping you from fully knowing Jesus Christ? Folks, I need to get out of the mud pie business. And I need to say, Lord, I want all of you, all of you today. I pray for each of us. Let's get all of Jesus that we can. Let's not continue to allow the things of the world to keep us from the riches of Christ. Let's pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you bless this time. Oh, my God and my Lord, that, that God, that we can be like Paul, that God, that everything that was important for us, that, God, that we can lay it aside for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, God, I just pray that your spirit would move on us and help our eyes open to see that there's some things that we are trying to hold on to that are nothing compared to the value of knowing Christ. So, Father, I just pray this, this, this morning that you bless and you move. Do your work, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to give an invitation. And, and, and what is this about? First of all, we have invitation. This is our time that we receive new members. Maybe if you'd like to be a new member, if you'd like to be a member of Rayford Road Church, you'd like to be a part of this body, then what we do is we ask you to present yourself so we can get to know you and just say, hey, Pastor, I want to, I want to, I want to be a part of this body. 
And, and, and you do that by, first of all, maybe you've gained salvation. Maybe today God has opened your heart and, and you want to know that special treasure of Jesus Christ. And we'll take someone and, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk with you about Jesus Christ. Come and let us know so we can talk with you. So then we can present you to the church. Or maybe today you know Jesus Christ. You know Jesus Christ, and you, you, maybe you've been a, um, a member of another church, or maybe you've not, but you, 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 you want to come by your faith, and you want to be a part of Rayford Road Church. We encourage you to come and say, Pastor, I want to be a part of Rayford Road Church. This is my testimony. Maybe you need to be baptized. I encourage you to come. But this is a time that, that we would receive you and talk with you. and so Because we, we're a family here, and we want to get to know each other as family. But also it's a time that maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken upon your heart. Maybe today, it's not that you're, you're even worried about church membership. You're just worried about your relationship with Christ. You need to be saved. You, need to, you, need, you want to know that the penalty of your sin has been washed away through Jesus Christ. And you need to talk to someone about your salvation. Come up here and, and let us talk to you about that. It gives a time for you to respond. Or maybe you're, 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 a, you're a child of God, but there's things that's bothering you, and you just need to bring them to the Lord, and you need someone to pray with you. You need to come to the altar. There may be some things, there may be some mud pies you need to come lay on the altar and just say, God, I'm tired. I, I don't want the mud pies anymore. I want the real thing. I want all of Jesus that I can get. Now's a good time to deal with those. Folks, the altar is an important place to come. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? We just want to take this moment to let you respond how God is moving upon you. Would you come as we stand and our team leads us in singing? If you need to pray with someone, Brother Eddie will be right here praying with you and we'll have others praying with you. Without Jesus.